Ignition sequence start. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to the Space But Messier podcast. My name is Tony. And this is Flo, and this is episode, season one, episode one. Take two, because we're still <laughs> learning how to record podcasts. But uh, we're here coming to you, not live. Um, and this episode will be out on March 1st. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's jump into the news. All right. Big things happening. Those of you that looked up in the sky on February 6th know exactly what I'm about to talk about. So the SpaceX launched their Falcon Heavy rocket from Cape Canaveral, Florida, and it is, well, they set its original course for Mars, right? So they launched this rocket complete with 27 rocket engines and lifted a Tesla Roadster into space, which was supposed to be on a journey around Mars, but now it's on a journey to orbit the sun forever. For those of you who do not know what we're talking about, if you remember, if you live in Southern California or actually the whole West Coast yeah. of North America, um, and you saw, uh, what was it, Aliens, yeah. uh, North Korea was one of them, and Jesus' Second Coming, mm-hmm. yes, uh, that big, like, smoky fish in the sky, that was a Falcon 9 rocket. The Falcon Heavy is three of those strapped together. Um, they launched it successfully. It was so beautiful. Like, it, watching it launch was insane. Um Seeing all the stages of separation was cool. And then as it got to space, it everything kind of like came off and all that was left was a Tesla Roadster <laughs> with Starman in the, in the driver's seat and a little Hot Wheels model uh, Tesla as well. Um, very, very exciting. It was cool. And the rocket boosters that it launched up with, they came down and two of them landed at the exact same time. There's an incredible video of it. I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes if you haven't seen it yet. Um, but wow. Unbelievable. I was astonished. So, better yet, reports recently surfaced of another secret payload on the Tesla, um, not just the Hot Wheels model of the Tesla Roadster, for which its price is skyrocketing on eBay, yeah. but a library. A library. A library. Not your ordinary library, but one that can withstand millions of years in an environment like space. So it's called the Ark, and it's like a CD, but it's a small disc of quartz crystal, not much longer than a coin, but not much larger than a coin, and it's built for long-term data archiving and has the ability to hold troves of information, like up to 7,000 <laughs> Blu-ray discs. So my whole collection. Yeah. yeah. You have... <laughs> you're like, oh, pretty comparable to what I have at home. Yeah. So this specific Ark was loaded with Isaac Asimov's Foundation Trilogy. Crazy. Why the trilogy? Yeah. I Okay, so something to know about me is that the first thing that got me into space was unfortunately not science fiction. Uh, I <laughs> totally missed, like, all of the awesome science fiction, science fiction books that, you know, came out in the last 50, 60 years, um, including Isaac Asimov. Um, but I read this article, and I saw that his foundation trilogy was included on this library, they called it. Um, and so I, I said, oh, okay, well, let's do some research. So I did some mm-hmm. research, all these books that I've never heard of, all these authors I've never heard of, and all these names that I'm like realizing and, and of all the space podcasts that I listen to that they refer to. And I said, okay, I think it's better time that I read it. So I bought the Foundation Trilogy. I read the first book and <laughs> it's in, Elon Musk is awesome. Um, <laughs> you'll know if you've read the book in the first novel that 
what he just did was exactly the goal of the mathematicians uh, in the galactic empire, to compile all the knowledge that humans have accumulated until then and store it in libraries across the galaxy before a predicted threat can destroy the galactic empire in the next 500 years. They basically, like in case humanity destroys itself, they want to compile all our information all the knowledge we've accumulated and just put it, put one on the moon, put one on Mars, I think, and I guess one in a Tesla Roadster. Um, The ARC's co-founder says to think of it as a ring of knowledge around the sun. This is only the first step of an epic human project to curate, encode, and distribute our data across the solar system and beyond. So freaking cool. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Anyway, I can't, humanity is awesome. Okay, next in the news. Um, For those of you who... Didn't know uh, about a year ago we got a new president, and um, <laughs> they've done it again. Uh, the Trump administration literally has done it again. Uh, the White House released released its budget request for fiscal year 2019, and it looks a lot like last year's. <laughs> uh, disclaimer: Before you hear what I'm about to say, know that the budget still needs to be approved by Congress, uh, the Senate, the House. Um, so these are not final decisions, but the areas that are funded or that they want to be funded is the Mars 2020 lander, which is the new rover um, after Curiosity. Um, I don't think it'll have as good of a Twitter account, but it should be pretty awesome. (laughs) That's Um, all that matters. The Europa Clipper, which is going to be one of our next major focuses at NASA. The SLS rocket and the Orion capsule, which are our current focuses. Those, Those last two, the SLS and the Orion, SLS is the rocket. It's a massive rocket. Orion is the little capsule that the astronauts are going to live in, assuming we go to the moon or Mars. Um, They sum to $3.7 billion a year. Yeah, which makes me really sad when we say what we're about to say and what lost funding. Um, But basically, those are all awesome, and uh, the White House wants them all to stay. Yeah, so the areas that they didn't lose funding, but their funding was lowered, is very disappointingly the Environmental Protection Agency, the Centers for Disease Control, and the National Science Foundation. Sounds like the White House does not like science. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But to confirm that, yes, the ones that they want completely defunded are five Earth science missions. All of these were meant to measure the planet's climate. So somebody doesn't believe in climate change, clearly. Um, One project called the WFIRST, which is the Wide Field Infrared Survey Telescope. Basically, uh, if you haven't heard of the Decadal Survey, it comes out every 10 years, and they basically ask all the astronomers in the United States what they want um, NASA to focus on, what kind of research do we want to do, and this is what they voted, and the White House wants to defund it. And lastly, they want to completely defund NASA's Office of Education. Now, uh, okay, so the office centralizes NASA education's effort. Uh, it includes the distribution of grants to schools and universities, museums and such, and it includes programs such as NASA's Community College Aerospace Program that I participated in two years ago. That's not good news. Not good news. It's very all. sad. So, do you know when Congress will be voting on this? I know that they will be voting no on it. Um, I do not know when. Um, we'll have that information for you as soon as they do. Um, now, like I said, this is very similar to last year. Um, he basically tried to defund the same projects last year or the same types of projects. And the Senate was like, um, no, no, no. Um, we're going to take these projects and we're going to give them m- even more funding. So oh, nice. Senate has a backbone and they like science, um, which is good. Good. Thank goodness. All right. Well, Flo, what on. are we talking about tonight? Topic of the day. Why space? And why do we as humans have this desire to explore and discover and go out into outer space and know what's up there? Yes. We... 
are making this podcast to learn about this topic ourselves and to educate you guys, but why? Why, why should we learn about it? Why should you even listen? Mm-hmm. Why does this matter at all? And Tony, how did this topic <laughs> come to life? <laughs> well, we think that we know what you want to hear, but we don't. Um, which is why it's really important that you guys tell us what you want to hear about. Um, we were going to do an episode on either black holes mm-hmm. or the history of NASA because Flo was super interested in black holes because they're crazy and so they are. cool. And I <laughs> am more fascinated with how NASA was formed. And maybe those were going to work, maybe they weren't. But I asked my wife and I said, I mean, you don't look into science or space often. Um, you're considered general population. Mm-hmm. What would you want to hear about? And she was like, well, I don't really understand why. Like, why should, why do people love space? Why are we drawn to space and why should I care? Mm-hmm. Well, Jenna, if you're listening <laughs> at home, um, we're, we're about, about to, to tell, tell you. you. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Jinxie. <laughs> the rest of the episode. <clears throat> I'm now on mute for the rest of the <laughs> 40 minutes left. Um, we have some awesome accounts of what, Basically, what this comes down to is where does our need, where does our desire for exploration come from? Because that's what space is. Every time we look into space, all this money that we throw into all these projects, it's to explore and to discover. Um, On NASA's website, they say that humanity's interest in the heavens has been universal and enduring. Humans are driven to explore the unknown, discover new worlds, push the boundaries of our scientific and technical limits, and then push further. The intangible desire to explore and challenge the boundaries of what we know and where we have been has provided benefits to our society for centuries. Mm. Benefits. So NASA's about the benefits. Yeah. And then Carl Sagan um, is not so much about the benefits, but about the fact that it's literally just a part of us and a part of our humanity. And he says that exploration is in our nature. We begin as wanderers, and we're wanderers still. We've lingered long enough on the shores of the cosmic ocean, and we are ready at last to set sail for the stars. Carl Sagan is my favorite, hands down. That is down. so beautiful. He, when I like was looking into space, the first thing I saw was his Cosmos series. Mm-hmm. And so it was reimagined, like I said, in Netflix, um, but his original one, and it was based off his book called Cosmos. And that's where that quote is taken from, is his book. And he is one of the best science communicators of all time. He deserves the utmost credit of getting so many of our bright minds and inspired minds um, to fall in love with space. And so, yes, we are ready at last to set sail for the stars. Maybe humans New are tagline? Ready. New tagline. Yeah, I'm still searching for the tagline. <laughs> um, yeah, I think humans are ready, but technology is not quite ready. Uh, but we'll get to that, set, setting sail for the stars um, we will talk about that later in this episode. Yes, we will. Mm, yes. Uh, Elon Musk, the, uh, my favorite supervillain of all time, um, except he's not a, he like, he has all the qualities, the cool qualities of a villain and none of the bad things. Like he just launched a so car into space. not a villain. So he's not a villain, <laughs> but like he's, I don't know, he's so badass. cool. He's so badass. <laughs> I don't even, yeah, Elon Musk, if you're listening, you're not a villain. We love you, but dang, you're so cool. Um, He says that life has to be more about solving problems. If life is all about solving problems, why get up in the morning? There has to be things that inspire you, um, that make you proud of being a member of humanity. We need more of those things. Space exploration is the greatest adventure that you could ever embark upon. These wise men, these three wise men are just (laughs) handing it to us right now. 
<laughs> yes, um, and he is right. Space, of course, is not the only reason to get out of bed, but the idea of solving issues. Some people have different ideas of what gets them up, whether it's just being happy, helping others, loving your job, loving your kids, loving your family. Mm-hmm. For Elon, it's space exploration, and he's doing it. Yes, and the fact that there's so much more. There's so much more to life. He's right. So our last um, quote will come from Stephen Hawking. Um, Stephen Hawking um, has written so many books and enlightened us with so much with all of his research, um, including A Brief History of Time. And this one, it really, really strung a chord with me. Uh, this is not a quote. I, I did paraphrase it. I have to say I paraphrase it because I did miss a few words. Uh, for the most part, these are his thoughts here. He says that one of our greatest gifts, and that of Albert Einstein as well, is our imagination. With today's technology, humanity's knowledge, and our imagination, we can explore space and time in our own minds, wherever we are. But the universe is a violent place. Stars engulf planets, asteroids hurtle at hundreds of miles per second, but we should venture out because the laws of physics guarantee um, that this will eventually come to us. Um, He says that this isn't a doomsday warning, he just says it'll happen. He says, we already know of an advanced civilization that has a tendency to destroy species, ecosystems, atmospheres, and perhaps entire planets, and that species happens to live on Earth. Spreading out may be the only thing that saves us from ourselves. We're also explorers by nature, as as, uh, Carl Sagan said as well. Whenever we make great leaps, like landing on the moon, we elevate humanity, bring people and nations together, usher in new discoveries and new technologies. For instance, he, he talked about the Voyager spacecraft, which is my favorite spacecraft. It's the first one I learned about, and it has the golden record on it. So, you know, that if any aliens found it, they'd have to be hipsters to know how to, like, <laughs> play the vinyl. Um, Voyager was launched in 1977 at 11 miles per second. Well, 11 miles per second is what it's currently at. At this point, it would take 70,000 years to reach the nearest star system, Alpha Centauri, which is, you know, 25 trillion miles away. Can you believe that? 70,000 years for something that we launched in 1977. So that being said, today, there's a project in development called Starshot, um, and it could reach Alpha Centauri in 20 years. Unbelievable. So in 1977, I'm not good at... Long math, is that like 39 years or something? We can take a voyage that is 70,000 years and bring it down to 20 years. Now, it's insane. The reason why we're, I said we were like um, playing with the idea of setting sail for the stars is it's quite literally a sail. So Starshot is basically a solar sail. It's like when you're sailing on uh, the ocean, except it's not the wind that pushes your sails, it's uh, light from the sun. And so basically, um, I apologize, light from the sun, that's going to be the planetary societies. Starshot is going to have an array of telescopes, or array of lasers, lasers, sorry, on Earth that are all going to shoot lasers up at this sail, super high energy particles, and beam it to Alpha Centauri in 20 years. It says it's going to take a week to get to Pluto. What? Yeah. So I don't know. If that doesn't make you... Want to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. (laughs) The amount of growth that we've done as... Humanity, it's just astonishing. 20 years. And then it would beam back all the data it has via laser, and we would see it uh, very soon thereafter. So, yeah. Unreal. 
What do you think? I think that that's why we need space exploration. And I think that's why we have our hearts in this Space But Messier project. And I think that's why the Space But Messier community exists. Because we all have this like innate understanding that there is unbelievable things going on all around us. And there's unbelievable minds surrounding us that can get us there. It's unbelievable to think that in the 60s, we set a goal to go to the moon without knowing if we could go. And after the millennium, we're planning to go to the next star. And Stephen Hawking is the one that was like, well, he's kind of um, helping with the project. And if he's helping with the project, you know it's legit. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know it's going to happen too. Um, this just reminds me of, I don't know, just my thoughts on exploration in general. I think we explore uh, to learn more about who we are, or it ends up happening when we do so. Um, remaining where we are, and I've said this before, well, maybe not in the podcast, this is episode one, but <laughs> in my opinion, we learn more because we want to learn more about who we are. And that happens when you explore. Remaining where we are is comfortable, whether on a small scale or a large scale. Um, you know, whether you're super lazy and just want to stay in your home in your comfortable couch and binge Netflix all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Binging Netflix is not bad, just <laughs> if you do it every day. <laughs> um, then that's comfortable. And there are forms of greatness that you're missing out on. Um, But this greatness and growth is only obtained through trial and adversity. Um, Putting yourself through something greater than anything you've ever endured before is the only way that you're going to grow. And so exploration, in my opinion, promises that. Exploration progresses our species and marks it with greatness. I think that we, I don't know, what would we be known for if we didn't continue to strive for greatness in every area? I can't explain this necessarily, but we do have a deep-seated desire to be great and to achieve what no man has achieved before. Um, mixed, I mean, that mixed with the imagination of authors like Isaac Asimov, Arthur C. Clarke, Robert Heinlein, Carl Sagan, um, the guy who created Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry, the guy who created Star Wars, George Lucas. Everything we have, everything we've seen or read, it makes this promise of space real and attainable, and it feeds our curiosity to transform it into action. Jenna, that's why, that's why space, that's why we space. (laughs) No, that's why we go to space. That's why, Jenna, tell the kids. (laughs) Tell the baby. (laughs) All right, well, none of this really matters to a lot of Americans unless it can benefit us. Mm -hmm. So does it have any benefits whatsoever? It really does. So all of this space exploration and all of this technology and NASA itself really helps humanity not only understand but grow. And so it inspires youth and inspires kids to look up and see that this like SpaceX launch is happening and that all these crazy things are going on and the things that they see and these eclipses are happening and they want to know more. And so it encourages youth to seek STEM fields and to learn about science and mathematics and to really dive into that um, area of education. Yeah, I guarantee if you, I mean, if you ask anybody who's, I don't know what the age is now, who's over 40 or something, Mm -hmm. um, 45, ask them where they were um, when Apollo landed on the moon, and they can tell you. And they know exactly where they were when they were watching it. Um, I remember my dad, when he tells me the story, he was just, like, astounded. 
And so it really does make a lasting impression. And if we had, I mean, no offense to the Apollo program, it was great, but it got shut off so early. Mm -hmm. If we had a space program that was space program that was continuous and everlasting, then um, it would continue to inspire. Um, one of my favorite parts about it is that it informs us. I mean, we we look at the stars and we look at other planets. We have, what, seven other planets in our solar system um, that we can have take information from. Like, for instance, if you look at Venus, it has a runaway greenhouse effect, which basically means humans lived there and screwed up the atmosphere, and that's what it is now. No, that's not what it means. But <laughs> Surprise! It, yeah, it gives us a glimpse on what our Earth can look like if we continue to not control the climate or if we continue to worsen the atmosphere. That's what our Earth could look like. It's not habitable. So, yeah, we need to save ourselves from ourselves. Yeah, and it's a literal example. Um, another great thing of why it's so important and so good, just naturally good, is that it brings us new technologies that help humanity, all of us everyday people. It um, We call them spinoffs, but we've improved ambulances. Um, we've helped find cures and ways to help people that are struggling with depression. We've increased our ability to diagnose cancer, flight safety, increasing farming yields, you name it. Keep an eye out for an entire episode dedicated to this if you want to know yeah. more. I'm excited for that one. Yeah, but there are so many technologies that we use in our everyday lives that come from space programs and space technology and all of this kind of exploration. Another thing, and, and we'll also be doing an episode on it, is the International Space Station, which, you know, for those of us living in America and hearing rumors of like Russia tampering with our election and um, these different countries that we're at odds with or whatever. You know, for a long time, for years now, we've been working with Russia to send astronauts to an orbiting space station that is moving 17,500 miles per hour above our Earth. We are trusting them with our lives, with our science, and with this national laboratory in orbit. And basically, this is actually, I lied, this is my favorite one. Yeah. That it, it fosters international cooperation. Even in wartime, we are working together and not even thinking about where the world's at. It's awesome. Another one, I guess, um, would be, um, you know, saving ourselves from ourselves. <laughs> uh, the reason why we can go out there is to learn how we can uh, further the uh, species of humanity, I guess, and keep ourselves long enough, alive long enough to see our libraries flourish on Mars mm. or grow potatoes on Mars with Mark Watney. <laughs> I want to do that. <laughs> That'd be cool. I don't want to come back the way he did, but yeah, growing potatoes I just want to grow cool. some potatoes. That's all I want to do. Um, one of my personal reasons, too, is that space is just humbling. That's one of my favorite reasons to get to hear about this news topics and all these things that we're talking about and to know that there is something so much greater than me and whatever it is that's going on in my life, in our nation, in our country, in our world, there's so much greater. And we can look beyond and realize how small we are and that it's good for humanity as a whole. And like Carl Sagan said, um, and all the work that he did, he was instrumental in helping us realize that. Yeah, totally. It, it, it is. He called it, he called Earth the pale blue dot. And he has a book called that. It's really, really good as well. That's it. That's all pale we are. Pale blue dot. One of my favorite pictures taken mm -hmm. in space um, was when one of our spacecraft was going out and it looked back and took a picture of Saturn, but next to Saturn in the distance, you could see this tiny little blue dot and it's Earth. And it really puts things into perspective. It really does. 
Dang, I feel humbled. Okay. And on that note. Everyone should be proud of themselves because we learned something. I bet you learned something. And (laughs) that is always a good thing. That's all we're trying to do here. So if you enjoyed today's episode on why space and why is space important and why is space good. (laughs) Why should you like space? (laughs) If we've convinced you sufficiently (laughs) that space is good, um, please leave a comment below. Um, and if you enjoy this podcast overall, and if you like free stuff, which we all do, then please support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing our podcast. If you want to know how, how, keep how listening. will I do this? Let yes. me tell you. So first click on the library tab of your Apple podcast app, and then click shows at the top, click on space, but messier, and then scroll to the bottom to the ratings and review section. And rather than tapping to rate it immediately, click the writer review link at the bottom. We really want to hear from you and we want to hear what you want to hear about and we want to know what you think of the show, and you will be put in the running to win a Space But Messier t-shirt every month if yes. you just leave a comment. And the more support we get, we'll do it every week. Yeah. We don't, we're poor, so that's the way it is. <laughs> yeah, but for right now, for sure, there's going to be one shirt that's being given out every single month. Um, reviews really are the best way to support us because it helps spread the word of our podcast, especially while we're so new. So please consider being an important part in launching our podcast to the rest of the world. And we're clearly not good at knowing what you guys want to hear, just like my <laughs> wife, you know, displayed for us here. So in your review, uh, in on social media, tell us what you guys want to hear about, and we'll be excited to learn it, and we're excited that you guys are excited to learn it. Absolutely. And if you'd like to receive updates, news, and hilarious videos from yours truly, Tony and Flo, please <laughs> like and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SpaceButMessier. Also something that we talk about every single episode. If you want to support us financially, you can support us on Patreon for literally as little little as a dollar a month. That is true. Uh, Patreon is awesome. The the best thing you can do to support us is leaving a review, but if you have a dollar a month that you would love to forget about while also financially supporting this podcast, because there are costs uh, that we are currently um, trying to, you know, manage and everything like that that would be awesome you get you know free content you get to sponsor episodes choose topics and stuff like that so no pressure but that'd be cool (laughs) yep thank you for listening yes we hope that you are inspired and encouraged and are ready to set sail for the stars amen (laughs) thank you for listening thank you this is tony and flo from space and messy signing off (laughs) bye guys Roger, Tranquility, we copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. That was definitely an e-ticket.